Hey world, you're listening to The Real Rob Taylor on realrobtaylor.com. Formed in 2014, Twisted Illusion are a prog rock band who push genre boundaries like few others dare. Their latest single, Apocalypse LOL, is out now. That's going to be followed by another entitled A Moment of Lucidity out on Friday the 12th of March. Both of those are taken from their forthcoming album, Temple of Artifice, that's out on the 28th of May, 2021. Twisted Illusion's founder and frontman, Matt Jones, joins me now to talk us through it all. How are you, Matt? Oh, very well, thanks, Rob. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thank you for asking. So, um, this, uh, I, I, I've just got so much to ask you uh, about your band. I mean, it's uh, it's a real kind of enigma, um, uh, and I guess that that's that's kind of what you like. There's there's such a stream of apparent influences, and there's so much to go into. So so we'll 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 get cracking. So you were formed in 2014. That's uh, seven years ago this year. Oh um, yeah. And, and and how did you all get together? Um, well, Twisted Illusion definitely started as like your typical traditional democratic sort of band. It was just, you know, friends who liked the same sort of music. Very kind of traditional way that most bands are formed. And yeah, we started to do a few gigs here and there. We very naively put out an album before we'd even played a gig. <laughs> which is a bit absurd. Um, I now don't consider that anything more than a demo, but yeah, we, we were raring to go straight away and um, had lofty ambitions from the start. And over time, it just kind of became my project, really. Um, and we've been through a lot of lineups since since 2014. It's been a, it's been a long road. Cool. So you've, you've had a kind of... Um, uh, uh, you, I believe there are five in the band at the moment, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's been really stable as a lineup for the past 18 months to two years now. Um, it's been like the longest time I've had the most stable lineup, and um, we, we, we work really well together now. It's a very collaborative atmosphere, and it, it wasn't for a long time. It was very much just me and whoever I kind of got in the studio with me um, to do records. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, just something that I've uh, been talking to other other bands about is uh, is the collaboration element and uh, just the yeah. sort of the dynamic within the band of um, of uh, whether um, you know people kind of stick to their corner and and just do kind of do their job or, or how much uh, influence people have in songwriting and and whether um, uh, whether you're cool with somebody saying hey I've written this can we try this out uh, for like for a long time I I really didn't trust anyone else in Twisted Illusion to write the way I thought that we should be um but since i've got my guitarist saxon davids now who's by far one of the greatest guitar players i've ever worked with he's just phenomenal um i i trust him completely to write a complete song without any input from myself i don't even um question that now he'll come with fully completed songs um our new bass player is exactly the same he's an incredible guitarist as well so um we we've, we very much have like a shared responsibility in terms of songwriting and i trust everyone completely to bring the goods each time um, without worrying about my own input to something so it's like i've learned to let go of my ego a lot over the years and recognize that that is a negative point and be able to work through it and and trust people that are around me which is a better atmosphere for everybody involved of course yeah of course and uh, so uh, let me let me ask you an awkward question would you say that you were, used to be difficult to work with oh 100% um, <laughs> no, a, lot, a lot of the reasons um, I've had lineup issues over the years are very much m my own ego and uh, I can definitely accept that in hindsight um, and you know you've got to learn from the negative parts of yourself and not just always think you're right I guess 
No, cool. That's, uh, it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, your kind of recognition of maturing, I guess, in that, because uh, seven years is a long time. Yeah, um, it is, yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's fair enough to be, uh, uh, to, to, to be able to sort of uh, see yourself grow over that period. And, uh, you know, it, I think as well, um, having um, worked in music as long as I have and, and sort of seen a lot of bands come and go that you know the, the just the perseverance element in that regard is uh, for you know uh, from your point of view uh, is is admirable yeah the bands that always you know seem to outlast everyone are the ones that just continue doing things um, you know it's the bands that kind of whinge and become self-entitled for three or four years and that they're not at a certain point they're the ones that always fall by the wayside and it's always the bands that you know just stick to the guns and keep on going that eventually break through and there's a, every time you see a new band break through there's always a story a decade before it relating to that band um you know that's taken them to get to that place um so i think i've recognized that early on and just known that i always wanted to just stick through whatever was going to come my way I always think that that's the uh, the problem with the difficult second album because the first album is you know is the product of everything the band's been through to get to that yeah. point, whereas the exactly. second album is the product of everything in the following two years, um, or or even twelve months. But this is not uh, clearly a problem you're going to face because um, in the next eighteen months you're scheduled to release four uh, albums in total, yeah. um, and I believe that's a conservative estimate. Yeah, that's so. This is the complicated conversation. Um, so I, I, I treat Twisted Illusion at the moment. Um, I have what I consider A releases and B releases. So I do, um, I've currently been recording an album a month, every single month since September. I'm on the seventh one now, and I've been uploading a new album to Bandcamp every single month. Um, but they've all been kind of releases that I've done myself at home that I've mixed, mastered, produced and recorded everything from my house at my home studio. And then the A releases are like what I'm promoting now here, which is Temple of Artifice, which is the re-recording of our debut. And the other three albums that are going to come out are the Excite the Light trilogy. And there again, what I consider the A releases, these are the big budget productions that we've gone to a third party producer with, that we then do a, you know, quotation marks industry release for, um, that have a bit more budget behind them as opposed to me just doing it from home. So that's the way TI kind of operates. Um, it's a bit confusing to a lot of people when they get into us. It's like, how many albums have they done? Um, the number is probably well over 30 by now. Wow. Um, which sounds absurd when you know, you're know you a small independent band like ourselves, but um, it's also allowed me to you know, create a living for myself by doing it this way, because I've had this kind of regular income, this regular support from doing regular releases that I can, you know, monetize every month and, and treat it that kind of way. So it's, it's, it's definitely different and, you know, some people might frown at it and go, oh, that's just stupid. And, um, but I, I really kind of enjoyed the workload and the places it takes me. That's incredible. I mean, it, it, it just the, the sort of uh, prolificness, if that's a word, of your, of your output is, uh, is incredible. I mean, this, but then, you know, that's something that works historically. You know, you've got people like um, the Kinks and the Small Faces back in the 60s. They just yeah. plowed out. I mean, just churned it out. And there was so much of it. And they had their Absolutely. hits. But, but yeah, I mean, just the, just the, the volume is, is uh, I think that that's, you know, a real kind of, that, that's what gives bands a real foothold. 
Well, yeah, I really, I really want to focus my energies on having a, a, an expansive discography. That's like always my focus, first and foremost. I we're very much a live band as well. We love playing live, but to me, the priority is always the output. And I don't want to kind of get 20 years into a career and only have maybe, you know, three or four albums out like most bands do in that time. So um, I, I want to look back and have, you know, 100 albums to look through. That's um, amazing. Yeah, you, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's a real kind of, uh, it's an amazing ambition, um, but it sounds like you're well on the way. You know, it's not sort of, I'm going to do this and one day I'll get started on it. It's like, you, you know, you're, you're kind of halfway there already, really. Yeah, it's it's not an arbitrary thing that I kind of just say I'm going to do and then not do. I'm very I'm very committed to any idea I kind of go after. Once I've decided I'm going to do something, uh, I'm too stubborn. <laughs> I guess is the is. Yeah, no, that's uh, that sounds like uh, you know a, a very uh, perhaps stubbornness is a is a is a virtue. Uh, yes. <laughs> in, particularly in this case. All right, let's have a listen to uh, to Apocalypse Law. This is out out now, uh, and this is also uh, uh, on the Temple of Artifice, which is coming out on the twenty eighth of May, twenty twenty one. And we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, your experience in the in the business, uh, about your influences, and plenty more, I'm sure. But for now, this is Apocalypse Now. Twisted, uh, sorry, Apocalypse, <laughs> Apocalypse Lol. Now this is Apocalypse Lol by Twisted Illusion. Thank you. 
apocalypse, lol. Twisted illusion still with me is Matt Jones. How are you, Matt? Doing well. It's weird hearing the song, as always. Is it? Is it? Is it? Explain that. Why is it? Why is it odd hearing it back? I don't. I don't really listen. Like once I. Once the album's mastered, I I rarely listen to my own music. Um, I just I, I don't know. I can never really go back and sit there and enjoy it as a listener. I don't know why. So mm. it's it's weird to hear it out of context. Yeah, I suppose it's. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how many bands do and don't do that. I mean, personally, I when I'm after recording a podcast, I I, I do listen to it back to see how it went basically to, to evaluate yeah. it and, and so on but of course you know we're just doing this in one take uh, there's no kind of there's no studio process to go through for any of that yeah. and no re-recording I don't have to have to hear the thing a thousand times um, yeah. and you you know believe it or not you do get used to the sound of your own voice it just oh. sound, sounds like somebody else by uh, the time a, by the time a song ends up com- coming out I've heard it a thousand times it's like of by the time it's out there it's like I'm, I'm sick to death of hearing it as, <laughs> as a listener I don't want to hear it anymore well let's uh, before you get completely Let's talk about the the content of it. Can you yeah. can you can you walk us through what it's about? Um, so Apocalypse Lull is kind of the centerpiece of the album lyrically. Um, the the lyrics are very surreal and absurd um, to kind of mirror the lyrical content. When the song is about um, the end of the world happening and no one realising it's happening because they're on the phones. And it's this really exaggerated idea of that happening um, with just silliness and a kind of twinkle in the eye and a little, you know, cheeky grin. It's it's not meant to be taken as, like, a kind of dramatic piece. It's, it's meant to live in this land of absurdity. Yeah, um, I was going to say absurdity is the word that, that yeah. springs to mind. In a good way, you know, you're highlighting the, 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 the ridiculousness of it all. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it is. It's more pointing a finger at it rather than, you know, kind of existing within it. It's being on the outside and pointing at, at, at social media and the ridiculousness of it and the addiction of it. And that's, that's what TOA is about. It's the, the whole album. Um, it, it's just about social media and my disdain for it. Yeah, well, uh, you're not the only one there. <laughs> yes. Um, just on that, um, how do you um, uh, is how do you feel about social media? I mean, clearly you, you're not a fan, but uh, as an independent musician, it's something that we've all kind of got had to learn to live yeah. with, whether we like it or not. What's your view on that? It's it's a necessary evil to me. It's it's not something I I like. It creates so much division and toxicity between social circles it doesn't really promote anything that positive that i ever get to see and especially as someone who's trying to share something creative that's you know the antithesis of what you're trying to do like when you're trying to share positive things with your with your art and with your music and you're sharing it in a place where you know hate and division is everything and that's what gets clicks it's 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 a hard place to exist in for us sensitive artist types so (laughs) um, I i definitely do struggle on a kind of emotional level with it um i'm just not someone who likes social media but i i have to exist there to you know share share my music i can't not be there 
love hate relationship, or hate yeah. hate relationship, I suppose. Yeah. Really, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've got to be perfectly honest. I do agree. Um, I do find social media a real grind. I think it's uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's more negative than positive. But um, I really uh, agree. I expect anybody listening to this may well have found the podcast on social media. So yeah. I won't complain too that, much. That, that's the problem. Yeah. 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 yeah it is. Um, so uh, let's talk about influences um, and who your. Uh, Clearly, there's a real mix in there. In, in, oh, yeah. in Apocalypse Lol, uh, we heard we start off with this nice kind of folky opening. Then, uh, then the, the, this wild bass kicks in. You've got crazy time signatures. You've got these these uh, these this sort of uh, uh, choral harmonics and and, and just this. Uh, it's it's indescribable, really. I mean, it's it's prog rock. That's what prog rock does. But yeah. you you are more prog than most. <laughs> Do you reckon? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. Um, I I. That, that album, Temple of Artifice, has got that particular sound, and I don't think any of our other material really has that that sound to it, to be honest. There are elements in other places, but I think it's just indicative of that particular album, as opposed to the band being that genre or that kind of music. Um, that's just that particular sound on that album. Um, I'm, I'm very much... Um, I'm not what you'd call a traditional prog rock fan. I don't really like the big prog rock bands. I'm not. I don't like Genesis really. I'm not that mad on Yes. I like 80s Yes, but not the classic 70s stuff. Um, I'm a big Rush fan and Stephen Wilson and Devin Townsend, Dream Theater. But that's about it for me with prog. I I, I can kind of take it or leave it. My my main influences come from Toto. Uh, Toto are a massive influence for me. Steely Dan are another big one. Um, Jellyfish, the 90s band, I don't know if you know them. They're a massive influence on me. Um, I love a lot of great pop rock as well. Um, that's where the kind of sensibility of vocals comes from with the, you know, the really, um, like you say, choral harmonies, I guess. But I, I really like vocal harmonies, so a lot of bands that have big vocal sections, you know, Queen, ELO, Anything that's got great harmonies in it, I'm a big fan of. But and, and anything that's just all about melody, really. Because the, the, the reason I don't like the prog rock comparison sometimes is that I find a lot of those classic bands from the 70s really... They, they always... They're too overzealous a lot of the time and it's always at the expense of melody or doing an interesting song. I like short, to-the-point songs sometimes and... I'm not always on board with the expansiveness of prog rock, so I guess, yeah, I'll stop waffling now like a prog rock song, but... <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. at all, not at all. This is, is fascinating to listen to, because, um, you know, you're, it, what I find really interesting about a lot of bands is uh, they'll, they'll find themselves sort of uh, um, pigeonholed, if you like, into, into yeah. one, one kind of uh, genre. Um, yet the the genre that they're in isn't the one that they like, isn't yeah. the one that they're influenced by. I, I feel like I kind of painted my own coffin with that with TI because when we started we went after the prog rock tack we wanted to be the prog band because there were no real bands in our area or our scene that were actively saying they were you know a prog band so we saw that as like a, a way for us to have a niche you know a foothold locally so we said that and now we just are the prog band and I feel like uh, that's that's not fair to some of our other really sh we have a lot of straight ahead pop rock songs that are just bouncy jangly chords with nice pop melodies in them 
and I feel like someone who may be into a more poppier side of music might not even give us the time of day because they hear Temple of Artifice or they hear Apocalypse Slow, which, you know, they're, they're a bit more overblown and a bit more sophisticated songwriting-wise. Um, so I I don't know, I, I, I kind of get bored with genres and tags and I just write songs as they come and I don't really think about, well, this needs to be like this. And I, I do get frustrated with genre. I, I have a very difficult relationship with it. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think it's also a good thing for the listener uh, because it means that uh, you know you're 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 pushing boundaries here. Something that that takes us nicely into now is is Manchester. Uh, you're from Manchester. I'm in Manchester. It's a beautiful sunny day. There's no better place or time to be here. So uh, so let, let's give Manchester some love for, for a start. Um, and and. Um, the, you mentioned, you know, you've got the sort of jangly, uh, jolly guitar, uh, pop rock sort of stuff. And yeah. um, that's kind of that Manchester's not famous just for that. But the, but that's, a you know, the, the sort of uh, the jangly indie sound um, is great. And it's what the Manchester scene was all about. And and and, uh, uh, and that's what springs to mind uh, for most people when they hear about the Manchester music oh, scene. Oh, absolutely. It is, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the other bands from Manchester, Design Rewind, who have got that kind of yacht rock sound, um, and there aren't many yachts in Manchester. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, they're they're doing what you're doing, and we seem to be sort of breaking out of that um, uh, that that uh, uh, the confines of of, of, of Manchester. Really, um, you started in 2014. Yeah. Uh, so so you know what's what's your kind of uh, what's your experience of that? So the scene we started in was very much dominated by, like you say, either it was these pop kind of indie bands, which has always been, for, at least for the past 20 years, been the sound of Manchester, like you say. But on the kind of um, the opposite side of that, there has always been a really great rock and metal scene in Manchester, um, more specifically metal. Um, and we kind of had to either exist in one or the other. So we we kind of got involved a lot in the metal scene and um, that's where a lot of the metal elements in Temple of Artifice come from because we knew we kind of, we were going to be playing in front of those types of people. So I think um, without thinking really, we knew we had to write those kind of songs. So that's where the darker kind of sounds on TOA come from because we, we, we had to exist in that scene. Like, we couldn't just come out and say we were a prog band. There were no prog bands when we started, really. There was the odd one. But if they were considering themselves prog, they'd always be prog metal. So there'd always this be this heavy metal element to prog. Um, where is what it? you were doing. No, and I don't, I, I don't feel like we ever considered, like, doing what we wanted to do initially I, I really felt we were like chasing a bandwagon a lot of the time and you just kind of did metal because that's what was that's what was in the scene that's what people were playing in the venues you know it, it wasn't I'm, I'm not particularly a massive metal fan my my favorite metal bands are kind of you know the classics like Iron Maiden and Ronnie James Dio and that, that's metal to me. I'm not really a fan of the whole screamy, aggressive side of metal. I like mm. really melodic things, so that's why I like Dio and Maiden and that kind of things. But mm. um, yeah, it was very, it was very much just indicative of the scene in Manchester. It was either like say popper and indie or rock and metal. So you had to pick a side, and the only way for us to exist and get gigs was to 
have this rock and metal element to us. I see. So we, we won't call that selling out, but... Uh... No, <laughs> but it was a consideration, definitely. You, 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 had to, you, you had to look at the bands that were in the venues that were gigging, the places you were going to play, and, it, it, uh, you know, there were places to aim at, and there were specific sounds being played, and, yeah, it was definitely a consideration. Right, right. Uh, well, just to emphasise that, let's take a listen to uh, uh, a moment of lucidity. This is your single that's out uh, next Friday, the, the 12th of March. Um, uh, sorry? Oh, sorry, I was just saying, yeah. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I've got something wrong. So, Moments of Lucidity, Twisted Illusion, uh, is, is out uh, a week on Friday as we speak uh, on uh, the, the 12th of March 2021. Let's have a listen.
moment of lucidity, twisted illusion. Matt Jones is still with me. Matt, that didn't sound like a very conclusive ending to that track. Are we going to be doing a concept <laughs> album? Um, the pacing of the album is always very important to me. A moment of lucidity was like um, the song I didn't know where to put on the album. Um, because the, the the beginning and the ending of the album are very very definitively like obviously the start and the finish um so moment of lucidity was like it's gonna go in the middle somewhere but i wasn't sure where and the lyrics kind of determined where it was going where it was going to end up on the album so i guess that kind of gives it that vibe of it not knowing whether it's finished or not and it's a it's a bit of a weird structure it doesn't feel like it's quite ended. It feels like it's got something left unsaid, which is kind of how I'd like the album to finish. So putting it just before the last song, I think, is what helped kind of give that give that idea about it. Listening to your sound overall, um, the, the the two artists that really spring to mind are, are Meatloaf and and the Who as well, because I, I think that what you're doing is really begging for a rock opera or at least the <laughs> soundtrack for a movie. Is there any chance of that happening in the future? I would absolutely love to. I mean, I've I've wanted to do a rock opera for a long time, and I settled on doing a trilogy of albums <laughs> instead, because um, yeah, some of my favourite albums are these big bombastic ridiculous albums obviously war of the worlds is always a great example and as you mentioned meatloaf i'm, I'm genuinely a huge meatloaf fan beyond battle hell I, I i love pretty much every record he's done um it's very much a big influence in terms of the kind of presentation of big sounding voices i i, I love i love voices that are like meatloaf so they're just big and at the center and you know just really over the top i guess but when you're trying to write music like you know in in that kind of vein where you want to do a rock opera and you want to do something a bit more expansive there's no other way to do the vocal really so yeah i'm, I'm glad the meatloaf thing comes across though yeah that's good to know i'm never sure if uh, uh, when i draw these comparisons i don't know if i'm going to be kissed or killed so uh, <laughs> so so i'm glad i'm getting kissed this time at least um cool uh, uh Matt, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you and listening to your music with you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, uh, and uh, do come back uh, when absolutely. the album comes out in May. That, yeah, I'd be happy to. I appreciate I appreciate you doing this interview with me. Not at all. It's been uh, it's been a, a real pleasure. Matt Jones, founder and frontman of Twisted Illusion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Don't forget you can find all the links you need to connect to Twisted Illusion on the show page. Just go to realrobtaylor.com and search for Twisted Illusion. While you're there, check out all the previous episodes of the show and sign up to the guest list to be first to know when a new show goes online. realrobtaylor.com slash guest list is the place to go to do that. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast provider of choice. Just search anywhere for Real Rob Taylor. Thanks once again to Matt Jones for joining us for this episode. And thank you for listening. The Real Rob Taylor on RealRobTaylor.com. The Real Rob Taylor is a Reads More production. All tracks in this show are protected by copyright and have been included with the express permission of the copyright holders. All rights reserved. Play it loud.